everyone. Welcome to episode 54 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Dr. Mimi Winsberg, the Chief Medical Officer at Brightside Health. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring her on. Thank you so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How uh, how is your day going so far? Doing well. Doing well. It's a busy time for us at Brightside, but um, but doing great. I'm sure there's a there's a lot going on in the world, and um, you know your your company certainly plays a, a pivotal role. Um, it did before everything with COVID. I think it does even more so now, if that's possible. And um, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast to share more about yourself and, and Brightside. I'd love if you could just kind of kick things off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. Sure, happy to. Um, Mimi Winsberg, I'm a psychiatrist, trained at Stanford and have been in practice for 25 years now, if that's, if that's possible. Um, and I, uh, I've been in the digital health world for a little over five years. So um, I was the medical director with Lyra Health um, in their early stages, launched the psychiatry services at Ginger, and then co-founded um, Brightside with Brad Kittredge and Jeremy Barth a couple of years ago, when we really saw the need uh, for low-cost, affordable, accessible psychiatry services for the masses really. And so we, we launched a direct consumer model for, for these services and have now added therapy to the mix. Interesting. What, so you've been a part of uh, many of the top like telehealth platforms in the space period. I mean, you just mentioned what, uh, is it Lyra or Lyra Health? Lyra, Lyra, Lyra yeah. Health. Um, and Ginger. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm pretty well acquainted with the digital health space. I think I've seen what hasn't worked and have a good sense of what does work. And we've really tried to fold into Brightside all the winning elements of a digital health platform along with top quality care. So I think what, what people can get when they join Brightside is really sort of the best in healthcare mixed with the best in digital services. And I think that's what that's what makes the uh, the platform so exciting is because we can provide everything from you know a, a digital a sort of comprehensive digital assessment with machine learning clinical decision support along with remote patient monitoring tools that allow doctors to treat the patient both synchronously and asynchronously, and so you get the best of both worlds. You get the best of good clinical practice mixed with top digital health tools and telepsychiatry tools that are so badly needed in this particular environment, the tele part, of course, being so badly needed right now because people don't have access to in-person services in the way that they normally would. Now, what, what type of professionals um, does Brightside leverage to provide care? Yeah, so we have um, MDs on, on the RX side of our Platform. So when folks are coming in because they may need medication to treat their depression and anxiety, and there are lots of folks who do need medication. If you look at statistics broadly, then 
there are 13% of Americans who are taking antidepressants right now. And once depression gets into the, you know, moderate, severe, severe range, we do tend to recommend medication. And so we have MDs um, working with patients on the, on the RX side of our platform, the precision RX side of our platform. And then we have master's level psychologists, master's level therapists, and PhD psychologists on the therapy end of our platform. So we have a broad range of professionals, whether you're getting therapy or whether, whether you're getting psychiatry services. Interesting. What, what is one of the, uh, I'd like to hear more about, I guess, how things looked before COVID and now what, what your, I guess, day-to-day looks like now. Obviously there's been a, a yeah. ramp up, but yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> you know, one thing I think that's worth saying is that <clears throat> mental health services have always been a good candidate for tele services for telemedicine because a physical exam is not needed in almost all cases and because patients can be treated just as well with teleservices we we felt we were providing state-of-the-art care prior to the COVID crisis just through just through using the teleservices that we have along with remote patient monitoring tools What's happened, of course, with COVID is that, um, one, we're seeing a lot more anxiety, generalized levels of anxiety. I I have said um, in various press interviews that I think we're all going through or have been going through an adjustment disorder. You know, an adjustment disorder is, is described as having mental health symptoms in response to a particular stressful or traumatic event. And I think because of the widespread nature of the COVID crisis, it's affected all of us maybe in slightly different ways, but I think in very communal ways. And so we've all had to go through this period of adjustment. So we're seeing increased rates of anxiety, increased utilizations of our services, for sure. And um, I think one thing that's been really helpful is because we've set up these tools and processes in place well before the crisis, we were ready to go at the time when people really needed more services. And so while other healthcare services might have been struggling to put their their existing services online or put their doctor visits in front of a camera. We have all the tools in place that go above and beyond just putting people in front of a camera. We have, you know, digital intakes and remote patient monitoring and check-ins that can happen online and a way for your doctor to oversee your care even when you're not having those face-to-face visits. So your doctor has a sense of what's going on in between visits as well as during the visit itself. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that, um, you know, the mental health care space was like one of the best areas for telehealth, right? Because uh, out of all the different specialties that you have out there, it, it's it's the one that can be done the, the I guess, most effectively through, through a telephone, through, um, you know, a smartphone. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you kind of took away from your early stages in, in, a, in this digital health space that you think um, really helped you when, when getting Brightside off the ground? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you touched on one of them, or we just touched on one of them, which is that I think telemedicine 1.0 is just taking the doctor and the patient and putting them behind a camcorder. And that's telemedicine 1.0. 
but I think what we're practicing is telemedicine 2.0 in the sense that we are taking advantage of all kinds of other digital capabilities that can't happen in a traditional doctor visit, such as the continuous care model, knowing what's happening between visits, the potential for asynchronous messaging, asynchronous tweaking of, of your care plan. And so um, all of those kinds of tools are things that I've been working with and on over the last five years. Um, things like providing clinical decision support for doctors, helping them select what the right treatment is based on the symptoms that the patient's presenting with, no matter how complex those are, to assess in the first few minutes of the visit. And so you know, many of the tools that I've been working on over the last five years have kind of coalesced to now be able to be presented in one uniform package. And um, that's everything from you know, a, an electronic medical record that works well for the doctor to being able to set up visits remotely to remote patient monitoring tools and using a combination of synchronous and asynchronous care. Interesting. Okay. Now, I'm curious, you're a very busy person. How, how do you do everything that you do? <laughs> because you have what, um, let me make sure I'm, I'm clear on all this. You have your own private yeah. practice, right? You're, um, you're involved with um, like some like advising type opportunities. Um, you've do, you do some work with Crossover Health, right? And then you're the CMO at Brightside. I, I think one of the things the audience really likes hearing is, you know, your, yeah. you, you have all these different things going on, but you're so focused. Like, how do you, how do you manage your time? How do you make it work? Well, my, my friends like to joke that I that I warp the space time continuum. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure how I do it, but I, I like getting stuff done. Um, yeah, you are right. I, I am the on-site psychiatrist at Facebook through through the crossover clinic. Um, so I treat the Facebook employees there. And um, chief medical officer at Brightside. My private practice is is very small, just to be clear. And um, mm -hmm. I'm also working on a book right now, which will be out next year. So, so yeah, I have my, my, my plate is full, but um, I love what I do. I'm honored to be able to provide the care that we provide at Brightside. I think one of the things that I observed over the, you know, 25 years that I've been in practice is that no matter how good work I do as a psychiatrist, I'm only able to serve the people that I can directly touch with my care. And we know that there is a profound shortage of psychiatrists in the country right now, and that mental health care, while hitting epidemic levels, uh, is also really uh, inaccessible to most people. So a psychiatry visit is unaffordable for most people. And even if they were to be able to afford it, they can't always find you know, the doctors that they need or the services that they need. And so I'm very honored to to be able to leverage my skills to make these kinds of services accessible and available to more people no matter the severity of their illness. At Brightside, we treat depression and anxiety, and many of our patients come in with moderate, severe to severe illness. So we're really rolling up our sleeves and, you know, treating the real mental health problems that exist in this country. It doesn't, it's not just a sort of light touch service. Now, if folks are stressed and, you know, have just normal adjustment disorder or stresses, we certainly can treat them at Brightside too. 
but we really are treating, um, you know, real depression and anxiety in the moderate and moderate severe and severe range. And I think that's one of the things that I'm just honored to be able to do is be able to make these services more widespread, more available, more affordable to people from the comfort of their home. And, and I think that's what's really, that's what the real challenge in mental health is in this country right now is, uh, is access, access and affordability. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. What, one of the other things I would really like to know is a while back, we had the chief medical officer at Hims and Hers on the, on the podcast. And uh, one of the topics that we kind of dived into a little bit was talking about how, how to make the jump from like, uh, just, just being in the clinical side of things and then kind of moving into like a well, you're obviously still involved in the clinical, uh, side of the operations as a chief medical officer, but more so like, how do you, how does someone get in that position to be a chief medical officer? What, what type of skills do you think you need to have to make that jump from, uh, just being a healthcare professional to being the chief medical officer of either a startup or, a, a, another health another type of healthcare organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I think it, you, you need to make the leap of thinking about individual patients to start thinking about systems and how the systems work, how providers think, how providers function, what are their workflows? How do you make those workflows uh, pleasant for them rather than unpleasant? You know, I, I think we, we all know that that burnout is a big problem among healthcare workers. So you have all the problems that I just described in earlier answers about you know, challenges patients are facing right now in terms of affordability and access to care and quality of care and standardized quality of care. And you have to think about those as a chief medical officer, but you also have to think about your network of providers and you know, what's gonna work for them. So um, making sure that the doctors feel comfortable with their workflow and don't feel like they're just pushing papers from one side of the desk to the other. That's not why they went into medicine. They wanted, they went into medicine because they, they really want to help people. And so kind of optimizing for that rather than a lot of the burdens and paperwork that exists in traditional healthcare settings. And then thinking about systems, thinking about um, efficiencies in the system, thinking about how to automate certain workflows, how to present the right information at the right time to people, thinking about how to work with external parties such as payers and, um, and um, healthcare groups, and then sort of the whole external aspect of the business too. So there are a lot of, a lot of uh, factors involved that go above and beyond just, just treating patients. I, I love to, to treat patients and continue to do so and, and we'll never let go of that just because I think it, it's, it's one important to keep those skills sharp, those skills sharp in your, in your practice, but also you know, you can't really understand how the system works if you don't have um, some direct feel with what, what it's like to work with patients too. Did you always envision yourself being in this type of role earlier in your career? You know, I started out um, really more interested in research and um, did a research fellowship in mood disorders and brain imaging and um, and then it's um, only more recently that I, I really got excited about, when I said recently, I mean the last you know five or six years, really got excited about thinking about systems. And it was partly through years of working in, in a system that I, that I perceived to be broken in so many ways. You know? And so that's, I think that's where that interest was born, was sort of watching a, 
a system not operate efficiently and have some flaws that I that I saw solutions towards. One of the reasons I got into digital health is I'm I'm an athlete. I've I raced over 25 Ironmans. I'm supposed to do my 10th Hawaii Ironman this year. We'll see if it actually happens in October. But uh, I was in the habit of really tracking symptoms and um, and factors like sleep and recovery process that one would look for in athletes. And I felt it had so much bearing in mental health in the sense that, you know, when you see a patient, you often haven't seen them for a couple of weeks, and sometimes it's a couple of months, and there's no quick way to get all the data that you need in your visit. So using some of these remote tracking tools that athletes use was interesting to me in the sense of how could this be applied to patient care and mental health. And so I was very excited about the digital health revolution as it applied to mental health. And so I think it's been in the last five, six years that my career has broadened in this way. And I'm very excited to be part of this whole wave that's happening right now of new companies, new tools, new ways of approaching things, a disruption of the old model, and, and really, really hopeful that we can make some good progress. Wow. So you, you do Ironmans and stuff? That's that's tough. <laughs> um, it's, it's good mental health therapy. Yeah. You have to be very mentally strong to even <laughs> attempt to do those too. So uh, that's... Um, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I hope you're able to do your next one coming up. Hopefully, we can be in a much better place uh, at that point to make it to make it work. Uh, well, you know, this is this has been truly great. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast, telling more about yourself as well as Brightside Health. I know myself and our audience look forward to following the continued progress of the company as well as your career. Uh, it, where where can someone learn more about the company um, and maybe yourself? Um, and I guess we can. Yeah, the, the best way to um, to learn more about the company is just to go to our website. That's brightside.com, www.brightside.com. And I think if folks are interested also in taking an assessment, you know, if they do have loved ones or are concerned with their own symptoms, you can take an assessment at brightside.com and See, you know, we'll give you immediate feedback without registration for anything to on on how you're doing um, vis-a-vis depression and anxiety symptoms. You can also read reviews on our website about how people have benefited from our service, and uh, it's really heartening to read these reviews. I read them every day. People writing in saying that Brightside has saved their lives and made such a big difference in their lives. So it makes us all feel really good to read these things because um, you know we know that that um, that the hard work is paying off. And um, yeah, Brightside is the best way to get any additional information on the company. There's quite a bit of information on our website, so you can stay abreast that way. Perfect. Great. Well, uh, and I'll throw some links to that in the show notes so people can easily find it. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Again, thank you so much for, for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. And definitely let us know when that book is out. I'd love to, to tell everyone uh, more about it. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is unlocking healthcare professional data, making it easily shareable. 
they want to make life easier for healthcare professionals and organizations so that they can focus on tasks like providing the best care possible to patients. Block Health leverages their smart universal common application and blockchain technology to streamline many of the tasks that healthcare professionals and organizations must engage in, like primary source verification, provider enrollment, state licensing, state license renewals, DEA registration, DEA renewals, and much more. They do all of this through their easy to use platform. If you would like to learn more about Block Health, please check out their website at www.blochealth.com. Thanks. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, You can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.